There is one major change coming to the Bearcats defense in 2023, and today we're going to take a look at how crucial it will be to the Bearcats' success in the Big 12. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I am fired up to be with you all today. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. It's free and available everywhere you get your podcasts, including right here on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. We're approaching 700 subscribers and counting. You can follow us, too, to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. I am fired up to tell you that today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On, make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name's Alex Frank, your host each and every day right here on Locked On Bearcats. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the 3-3-5 defense, it looks like it's going away, thankfully. Now, the 3-3-5 is interesting because a lot of um, success that the Bearcats enjoyed in that three-year run as the top dogs in the American Athletic Conference from 2019 through 2021. The 3-3-5 defense was a driving force behind that. Um, The Bearcats first implemented it against UCF in 2019, and that game is what ultimately got the Bearcats into the top 25 through week one of last year. Now, I say that, but there were also some cracks in that formation, and it was ultimately their downfall. So the 3-3-5 worked, but teams could run the ball right down the Bearcats' throats in a 3-3-5. And we saw that against Tulsa in 2021. That was really the first time we saw, "Mm, you know what? This defense may not be sustainable when the Bearcats go into the Big 12. Tulsa ran the ball all over the Bearcats that game. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but you know I'm going to here uh, in just a few minutes, in just a few seconds rather. But it was Tulsa. It was um, it was Tulsa in the regular season. It was Alabama in the Cotton Bowl. Alabama in that game, and it's interesting because I remember saying this. I remember saying this on Lockdown Bearcats right before the college football playoff semifinal. I remember saying to all of you, asking you all this question, and I asked myself this question, what was going to happen if Nick Saban completely changed his game plan offensively? Because if you remember, Alabama had one of their top two wide receivers out that game with a torn ACL. Was it a torn ACL? I believe it was. John Mechie third. So Alabama had Jamison Williams who we knew was really good. The Bearcats had two All-American corners. We knew they were really good. And I said to myself, and as much as we were all so excited to see that matchup, Sauce Gardner versus Jamison Williams, as much as we were excited to see that matchup, I remember saying, what if Nick Saban completely changes his game plan? What if? What if Nick Saban decided, you know what? 
I've got one good. Re- I've got one great receiver against two great corners. I'm not even going to test them. I'm going to run the ball against Cincinnati's three three five. And guess what Alabama did on their first drive of the game? Eleven plays. The first ten were running plays. The last play was a pass for a touchdown, but you get the point. Alabama ran the ball for three hundred and four yards in that game. By the way, Tulsa against Cincinnati in twenty. Uh, 21, 297, 297 rushing yards on the ground. So there you have 600 combined rushing yards in those two games. Again, the 3-3-5 defense was was a genius by Marcus Freeman for UCF. Because one thing it would do is you could defend the pass so well. And we saw that against and we saw that against UCF. Dylan Gabriel threw three picks in that game in 2019. The 3-3-5 defense also allowed the Bearcats to rotate guys in and out of the game. 22 different defensive players played in that game. But again, as we saw, it was ultimately their downfall for the Cincinnati Bearcats. The Bearcats in 2022, the four games in which they lost. Let's start with Arkansas. Arkansas against Cincinnati in week one, ran the ball for 224 yards. All right, you see the pattern here. Let's go to Central Florida, the Bearcats' second loss in 2022. UCF, in that game, ran the ball for 258 yards. 258. 15 first downs via the run. All right, let's go to Tulane. The Bearcats' first home loss in five years. Five years. The Bearcats, in that game, allowed 221 total rushing yards. 15 of the 22 first downs for Tulane on the ground. And then the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Yes, in a game that maybe you didn't really um, have a lot of investment in, but you certainly cared about it. The Bearcats, in that game, allowed 287 rushing yards. 15 of 24 first downs. So what we see here is what is over 200 rushing yards per game for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Over 200 rushing yards per game allowed in their four losses. I don't have the I don't have the numbers in front of me from their four win, from their nine wins last year. But one thing I do know is this. Thank good what the Bearcats were thank goodness the 335 is going away for that reason. The defense broke down all those games. They could not stop the run. So believe it or not, and and, and again, there may have been a lot of reasons factored in. Arkansas, you're playing a dual-threat quarterback in K.J. Jefferson. UCF, Malik Van was long gone by then. Tulane, you didn't have Van or Dante Corleone. And then the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, I don't even remember who the Bearcats had on the defensive line. So believe it or not, here's something interesting, though. The AAC and the Big 12 have similar stats offensively from last year. Let's look at total offense. Eight of the 10 teams in the Big 12 averaged 400-plus yards of offense. Seven of 11 teams in the American averaged 400-plus yards of offense. Rushing, two of 10 teams in the Big 12 averaged over 200-plus yards rushing. In the American, three of 11 teams averaged over 200-plus yards rushing. Passing, six of 10 teams in the Big 12 averaged over 250 yards passing or more. Six of 11 teams in the AAC averaged 250-plus yards passing. So, Two teams in the Big 12 averaged over 200 yards, both rushing and passing. 
Only one team in the American averaged over 200 yards, both rushing and passing. So what does this tell us? Are the Bearcats prepared to face Big 12 offenses? The similar numbers tells us, yes, if they could do what they did with a 3-3-5 defense, imagine what they could do with a 4-2-5. Speed on the edge on both sides. Imagine if MyJ Sanders had a running mate in 2021. MyJ Sanders, I believe, only had two and a half sacks in 2021. But that's because he was double teamed on every play. And there was nobody else on the other side of the defensive line to come after the quarterback. Now, we saw what Louisville's defense did in 2022. 19.2 points per game allowed, under 200 yards, both rushing and passing allowed. The ACC slightly weaker in terms of offense in the Big 12. So if Louisville was able to do what they did, I think they can bring that. I think Brian Brown, new defensive coordinator, can bring that here to Cincinnati. So again, what the Bearcats did in a 3 3 5 was great. It could be even better in a 4-2-5 because the Big 12 does have some dynamic offenses. And let's not forget Iowa State was in their first season post Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. So if you're wondering why, if you're wondering why um, Iowa State struggled last year, that's why. But in a normal year, they probably are better offensively. So you're going to face a lot of dynamic offenses in the Big 12. Having that extra guy on the edge and having multiple and having five guys in your secondary is going to really help. All right. I want to switch gears here. Something I saw in the Bengals playoff win this past weekend that I so want the Bearcats men's basketball team to get back over their final 10 remaining games. I will get into all of that after I tell you how this episode of Locked On Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they they are the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. So the Cincinnati Bengals are playing in the AFC Championship game this weekend. Man, what a great time for sports betting to become legal in Ohio. The Bengals are currently... One and a half point favorites. This is true. Is this really true? One and a half point favorites? That can't be right. Let's make sure. Oh, yeah, they are. One and a half point favorites. The Bengals are favorites in the AFC Championship game this weekend. And you can head to FanDuel right now and bet on that. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So, I like the Bengals minus one and a half to cover the Niners and the Eagles in the NFC Championship game this weekend. I haven't really thought about that game. I'm going to go Eagles, and I'm going to say that they do cover against the Niners. Brock Purdy has never traveled outside of the West Coast, if you think about it. If you look at the 49ers' schedule, the farthest he's been, Las Vegas. So, again, I like the Bengals. I like the Eagles. And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the official sportsbook of Locked On.
All right, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place, plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Lockdown College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here, back with you, your host, each and every day, right here on Lockdown Bearcats. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Bengals, speaking of FanDuel and AFC Championship bets this weekend, the Bengals went into Buffalo and absolutely took the Bills apart from the get-go. And what I saw in that game, my biggest takeaway from that game, it wasn't that Joe Burrow was great, he was. It wasn't that the defense was great, they were. It wasn't that the offensive line played really well, they did. My biggest takeaway was the confidence and the chip that they're playing on, the chip that they have on their shoulders right now is incredible. It is incredible what this team is doing right now amid all of the doubts and neutral site tickets being sold. Their confidence is genuine right now. So I want to see that from the Bearcats men's basketball team. Like the Bengals said, We got this. Nothing's going to stop us. We don't care if the other team is better, which maybe the Bills were. We know we are going to win. So to steal a phrase from Mick Cronin, ask yourself this question as a Bearcats basketball fan. Is there a guy on this team right now who, when they get on the bus, is deciding whether or not this team is going to win? Do they have that alpha dog of a Gary Clark, Jaron Cumberland, Jacob Evans, Sean Kilpatrick, etc. Like when they board the bus in Houston this weekend to face the number three team in the country, who's deciding whether or not they are winning that game, a big game? Right now, if you ask me, I don't know if there is that kind of guy on this team. There are only guys on this team who can keep games like the one on Saturday close or the game this past Sunday against Memphis close. In big games recently, there is now a dread Amongst fans, because you know they this program does not have the confidence to just roll the balls out and go out there, rough it up, and find a way to win. That alpha mentality to win big games does not exist within this program. Forget the fact that they've only been to one Sweet 16 in 2001. They've played in several big games since 2001. They've played in they played in several big games over their nine year tournament run with Mick Cronin. Think about Georgetown in 2011. Think about Syracuse in the 2012 Big East Tournament. Think about Louisville on the road in 2014. Think about Xavier in 2017. Think about Houston in 2018 and 2019. And what was the difference in those games? Why the Bearcats managed to win those games? Because they had a chip on their shoulder, and the style of play in which they played allowed them to win games like that. There's a reason that that the Bearcats program was one of the winningest programs in the country for a three-year span, 2017 through 2019. Again, if you mention to me, oh, but Frankie, they only made one Sweet 16, I get that. But you know what I also get? It's hard to advance in the NCAA tournament, especially of late. And I can go into, you know, more about that. But what's interesting to me is guys that I mentioned 
They got on the bus. They were deciding whether or not that program was going to win games. Is Landers Nolly that guy? Well, he certainly keeps the Bearcats in games like he did against Arizona or Memphis, but he certainly isn't a guy who is going to get is going to give you the play to win the game. This Bearcats team does not play well in close games. They've only won one close game this year, and that was SMU. They didn't play well against Xavier. They lost that game by three. They could, excuse me, they could not find a way to get a stop on their last possession. Arizona, sure, they fought their tails off, but they were never going to win that game because they didn't have an Azulis Trubelis. The Bearcats right now only have players who are exciting when they're playing well, but they keep you, but they only keep you in games. That's not going to cut it in this, in this, whatever you call it. Right now, the Cincinnati Bearcats are only capable of keeping games close, like the one on Sunday. I mean, they played in plenty of big games and they won them because you had guys playing with confidence. You had a purpose. You had a mentality to win. They had a chip on their shoulder, something to prove. And they always had that. A player whose confidence and chip on their shoulder drives this team. Right now, this team does not have a Sean Kilpatrick or a Jaron Cumberland or any player like Troy Copain or Yancey Gates. They don't have that imposing player. Right now, they have a lot of exciting players who want to be filled with finesse. And for as great as Victor Locken is, is he a guy who can, when he gets on the bus, decide whether or not this team is winning that big of a game? They don't have the confidence and alpha mentality to even defend their home court. And this program won 39 straight home games at one point. They've already lost three games at home this year. And are we really sure they're going to win the remaining home games this year? Like, we can look at their schedule right now and say, okay, they can win this game at home. Like, their next home game is February 1st against Tulsa. Well, that should be a win. UCF at home February 4th. That's not so easy. Home against South Florida February 11th. They lost at home to South Florida last year. February 22nd home against Temple. Not an easy game. And then senior day against SMU. Boy, you better win that game. So, I mean, if we look at... Sorry, if we look at the American States, I'm muting my mic. That's why. I had a cough, a little frog in my throat there. Um, if we... If we look at the standings, Temple is in second place right now. UCF is a solid team, 13-6-4-3. Temple's 12-9 overall, 6-2 in the American Athletic Conference. Um, if we look SMU 7-13, 2-5, Tulsa's 1-6. Those should be wins. But again, does this team have the alpha mentality and the confidence to um, defend their home court first and then go on the road and win a game at Houston or Memphis. I don't know. But just that one thing that I saw from the Bengals against um, Houston, I'm sorry, um, against the Bills this past weekend, just the confidence they played with, and they have guys – who when they step out onto the field are going to be the reasons why they win games. I mean, look at them. Burrow and Chase have won national championships. T. Higgins has won a national championship. 
Jackson Carmen has won a national championship. Defensively, there are a bunch of captains, guys who've been there before. This team has been to the Super Bowl. That does not that does not get diminished. It shouldn't, at least. I wish the Bearcats had that confidence, because they did for nine years. And I know you're going to tell me, oh, but Frankie, they only made one Sweet 16. You know what? They won several big games. And you got to get to the tournament to have a chance to get to the Sweet 16. Remember, Kentucky did not make nine straight NCAA tournaments. Only six teams. Cincinnati, Michigan State, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Gonzaga. There you go. All right, coming up, a fan's comment that we're going to explore deeper. That, after a word from two of our sponsors. Someone recently commented that Jeremiah Davenport should not be taking the most threes on the team. And if we look at the numbers, the answer to that question is yes, he should not. Right now, Jeremiah Davenport has 12 more three-point attempts than the next closest player on the team. Yet he's only shooting 30%. Nolly is shooting 44.3% from three. Julia is shooting 38.6% from three. So that leads me to ask, and it should for you too. Why are Nolly and DeJulius, your two leading scorers, taking the most threes? Davenport has been relegated to the bench for multiple reasons. One, because he wasn't delivering as a starter. Two, the Bearcats needed more depth in their front court, and that's why they promoted Odio Guama to the starting lineup. But if you're only shooting 30% from three, why are you taking the most threes on the team? And if your best three-point shooters, I mean, we look at the stats right now on this basketball team. Landers Nolly has 122 threes. The Julius has 101. Nolly can light it up from three. He should be the guy who's shooting five threes a game, maybe more. Not Jeremiah Davenport if he's only making them at a 30% clip. Since being relegated to the bench, and here's what really is interesting to me, scoring average has actually dropped. He's attempted 43s in six games. That's over seven per game. You're coming off the bench, but yet you're attempting over seven threes per game. You might as well start in in those games. Be more selective in your shot making. Before coming off the bench, he was taking 5.7 threes per game. Now he's taking over seven. Look, I get it. Jeremiah Davenport, I called him the spark plug in his freshman season in 2019-2020. But you know what else I know? Jeremiah Davenport can create offense in other ways. Jeremiah Davenport can create offense in other ways. Like assists. You know, making that pass. Doesn't have to hoist up threes. I get it. Shooters Keep shooting. Shooters do keep shooting. But it's clearly not working for Jeremiah Davenport. It clearly is not. Right now, Jeremiah Davenport should not be taking the most threes on the team. He's on pace to attempt 195 threes this season. Now, last year, he attempted 231, but here's what's interesting. Since being relegated to the bench over the last six games, Landers Nolly the seconds attempted 38 threes for an average of 6.3 per game. The Julius has attempted 23 threes for an average of just under four per game. Nolly has increased his scoring average over the last six games. The Julius has decreased. Davenport, by the way, has decreased his. Still, though, 
Let your best players cook. And if you're Davenport, stop shooting so many threes. It's clearly not working. Start creating offense in other ways. Let the shots come to you. Don't hunt and force them. Believe it or not, Davenport again on pace to attempt less threes this year than last year. But if the shots aren't falling, and and yes, Sean Kilpatrick went through a shooting slump as Mick Cronin alluded to in 2014. But at the same time, it's not working right now. We're 10 we are 22 games into the season. There's 10 games left. And I still feel like some players don't quite yet know their role on this team. And that's a problem. It is a big problem. Okay. So Landers Nolly and David DeJulius should attempt the most threes in a game. Davenport should be third. That's fine. He should not be above DeJulius or Nolly. That that fan is right. He should not be taking the most threes on this team because if it was working, fine. But it's not. He's not making them. He's shooting 30% from three. If you're shooting 38, fine. If you're shooting 44, great. 30% probably means you got to find other ways to create offense. Davenport right now, um, he's shooting 32.8% from the floor. He's great from the free throw line when he gets there, 29 to 35. He's averaging 4.1 rebounds a game. He has 38 assists to 15 turnovers, 17 steals. So he can impact the game in other ways. But at the same time, again, if you're um, if you're the Bearcats, you have got to you have got to understand Nolly and DeJulius are the guys who should be taking the most threes. Coming up tomorrow, how much of a rebuild is the Bearcats offense in in 2023? We'll take a look at that. Russ Hellman joins me for a live room tomorrow at 1230. That'll be for Thursday show Friday. We'll look ahead to the Bearcats game at Houston on Saturday. Happy birthday. I believe she's turning 60 today. Happy birthday to my grandma, Jerry, in Boca Raton, Florida. Love you, and I hope you are having a fantastic day. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out the Lockdown Sports. I'm sorry. Check out our brand new podcast. I'm so used to saying Lockdown Sports today. Lockdown College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, here for big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Lockdown College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's and an ATI. I'm on Twitter, uh, Instagram, excuse me. Alex Frank, nine underscore and email and Alex three Frank at gmail.com. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for listening. I will be back tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.